Monday. Yeah, happy uh, Monday. June 8th. Um, and last week we were talking about a boatload mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, we were talking about the Colin Kaepernick kneeling. Uh, we talked about uh, some of the things that were going on last week and the previous weeks before. Um, Brian had touched on some topics about uh, him and his white guilt or white guilt in general. And I had ended on talking about some of the concerns that my mom had expressed to me as a mother and having a son who is a color or a black, however you want to call it. So um, I figured maybe perhaps we can pick up on that. We had some new developments over the weekend and uh, the last couple of days when the commissioner of the NFL came out and apologized Mm -hmm. regarding uh, the kneeling and the anthem and uh, kind of brings up a lot of other issues. Plus we had some circumstances that Brian wants to talk about that we're all going to discuss regarding uh, the internet, social media. So let's just uh, let's just get right into it. So great. Um, if mm-hmm. uh, if you guys don't mind, we can wrap up. Uh, we can tie up what we ended on, which was a little bit of what my mom had had some concerns on. Mm-hmm. Um, and being that number one, I am the youngest, but I'm also the only guy. Um, and hearing a lot of things on the news, uh, she does worry. She worries about a lot of things that could potentially happen. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard for me as a son to reassure her that everything will be okay because even though I know how to conduct myself... Um, a lot of times that doesn't get, matter. That's mm-hmm. true. And um, I think, like, when I hear some of my friends also worried about their young sons and what do they tell them and how do they keep them right. safe, you know, just don't know what the answer is, you know. And um, I wish I did. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts about uh, those concerns that maybe some parents or women are having uh, related to their sons? Um, So this is actually one of the things that's most bothering me about the entire situation. It's I feel like it's really where I relate to um, the situation the most. So um, I'm married to Jamal. We have a daughter. She's nine and a half months, but Jamal has three kids from a previous marriage. And his mm-hmm. oldest, uh, Jamal Jr., he's 12 and a half, and he lives with us. And he's lived with us for the last uh, seven years. So, um, right. you know, and we've uh, we've raised him since he was, you know, or well, I've been in the picture since he was five. And, um, you know, we've come so far, and now he's going to become a teenager, and all these things are happening. And this me growing up as a white person with, um, you know, my privilege and not ever experiencing oppression or prejudice or anything like that this has been a completely you know new experience for me and I've over the years I've been coming to terms with you know my white privilege and what that means and how I can be better for myself and my husband and the community overall and um so you know this is one of the things that really scares me and um particularly the story of Tamir Rice because he was shot when he was 12 and he died. And I look at little Jamal and Jamal's 12 now, like that could easily be him. And when I think about that and really what that means, it just like completely blows my mind. And then um, I look at my daughter, she's my first child, you know, she's my everything. And I have all of these dreams for her. And I just imagine like, what kind of hardships is she going to be able to face? And the guilt that I have, you know, bringing her into this world as it's in complete turmoil and not being able to relate to her directly when she gets there and when she has her first encounter with racism and when she has her first um, hardship because someone's looking at her differently because of the color of her skin. You know, I can't, what am I going to say to her when that happens, when that's never happened to me? So I think about that. And I'm just, I'm really, it, it just, it honestly really upsets me. And I just, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to come to terms with it and how to, you know, devise a plan so that our children are safe and they grow up and they have happy and successful lives. And that's, um, that's really where I'm, you know, struggling with this whole situation, just my fear of my children's future. So, mm-hmm. Brian, what are your thoughts on Yeah, that's tough. Um, 
I'm I'm very two sided on this, and it's because I saw a video the other day by um it was uh, Morgan Freeman. He was talking about different things and how when he grew up and stuff like that. And he's one of my favorite actors. I'm a big movie buff. And he was saying, you know, someone kind of grilled him on stuff and I guess wanted him to give one answer and he didn't give the answer they were looking for. And he, he was saying something that really opened my eyes is that um, I agree with what Maria was saying and what you were saying, how any parent, you know, of someone of color, obviously is going to be concerned because you don't know how they're going to be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also feel that because of everything going on, the loss of respect for any individual in this country is terrible. Like the way that I see kids talk to their parents and their teachers and law enforcement and elders just was not the way I was raised. Yes. Um, And it's, just that is what concerns me is that you know adults are here to lead by example and when you see adults on videos talking a certain way to an elder or a law enforcement officer or other people it sense it sets a dangerous precedent across the board because it's just going to be non-stop confrontation i feel like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and he had said in his video like when he was growing up he said when a cop pulled him over he was told to put his hands on the wheel and said, yes, officer, no officer. Are we done officer? Mm -hmm. And like, and it's just now some of these videos are like, why the fuck are you pulling me over? Mm -hmm. What, what the hell? And so I see both sides because I see why they're scared. I see why they're threatened. You see a lot of cops that are just assholes to people, but then you see the other side of some of them that do have good temperament and these people giving them, attitude and start cursing and yelling at them right off the bat so i feel i feel like it's tough for both and i just feel i feel like in an awkward place because i don't know which side to take and i don't feel like i have to choose a side because i think every um circumstance is different um but it's it's tough because you see one side of the coin and the other side and they're both not right in any way shape or form you know um Mm -hmm. and then when you were saying with uh Tamir Rice, right, was the child that got shot in the park. Um, See, that is something that never should have happened for two reasons. One, I mean, my my mom never let me take a gun away from the house growing Mm -hmm. up, period, Mm -hmm. for that reason. But two, a cop should have the understanding that I watched that video the other day, actually, and to pull up in front of the child the way they did and not pull up in a, a, a way that they could be protective to validate that it was a real gun or not mm-hmm. and try to talk him down by putting down the gun was one of the biggest monumental mistakes that those officers could have made. I mean, right, it was terribly it, done. It happened within seconds. Like, there wasn't enough time for any type of conversation. They didn't give, like, they didn't have, they in, didn't implement any de-escalation techniques. And I just don't understand how you make that justification, like, on a child. Like, you're pulling up to a child at a park. Like, what is your reasoning for making that decision that you did in such a short amount of time? I don't, I'll never understand it. Yeah, they, they just did nothing. They just basically took the word of whoever called it in and mm-hmm. just automatically made him a threat. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that, and... Also, I fault toy companies for making guns looking as real as they do. When I was yeah. growing up, which I'm sure you two were, we had an orange, an orange uh, cap on the front right. of the yep. cap guns yes. and the toy guns. And yep. now they don't include them. So it's mm-hmm. like there's multiple aspects. You can look at people that are part of the problem why things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, no one wants to take responsibility and say, oh, maybe our toys should be made safer. Or the parents should say, maybe I shouldn't let my child bring that to the park but the parent might have also not known that mm-hmm. um and then the cop is at fault for making that decision to take a child's life without fully analyzing the situation um and i saw another video yesterday a mother um or a, a kid was walking around he had a cap gun and someone called it in and the officer videoed it and it was three um black teenagers and he said you know, he pulled up to them, asked them to put down the gun. He dropped it from his waistband, picked it up, realized it was a, a BV pellet gun or whatever, 
and uh, he's, he taught the kid a lesson and said, do you know that people are getting shot? Teenagers your age are getting shot or anyone's getting shot for having this? He's like, do you think I want to kill a 15-year-old? Do you think I want to shoot you? He's like, I don't. It's not part yeah. of my job. It's something I want to live with. He took the kid home to his mother and showed her and <laughs> the mom smacked that boy upside the head and said, yeah. I can't believe you took this out of the house. I can't believe, like, thank you for not shooting my son. Do you realize right. you could have died? And I think, like, that video really spoke powers to me of showing how an officer took an extra step to prove a point and then taking, driving him home to his mother, explaining the situation, her doing it. So, you know. Was that I boy think, black? Yeah. All three okay. of them were. Mm-hmm. So um, that that video really spoke to me just because, like, he made, like, the kid, you know, tear up because he was like, mm-hmm. do you understand I could have shot you? Do you understand you could have died because you had a gun in your waistband? And I don't know if you were trying to shoot somebody or take somebody else's life. Yeah. So it's yeah. uh, it's tough on both sides. So. I agree. Yeah, and I think you both bring up uh, many good points about this. And just to kind of, like, tie it in. You know, it sounds to me that there is a there is a disconnect from the way that children are being taught to conduct themselves, not only in cases which we're talking about specifically right now when it comes to interacting with law enforcement, but just an overwhelming amount of respect or a lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And I think that I agree with because Morgan Freeman was raised the exact same way I was. Same. Where it wasn't a matter of liking or disliking. Again, I grew up I grew up with a retired homicide detective as a grandfather. You know, so he <clears> taught <throat> me this when I was in single digit well, you know, when I was of age that was single digits. You know, so you know, I think there has to be done a better job because again, cursing and screaming at police and asking all these questions and getting combative, that raises the tension level it definitely, it definitely does. You know? And when you, you know, I know when someone is getting defensive, you know, I know that you start asking yourself questions internally. Why is this person getting so defensive? Mm-hmm. Do they have a gun? Is there something that they're afraid of hiding? Do they have a warrant? Like, you know, you can only imagine what is going in that in the head of a police officer. And at the same time, the person who is being pulled over or questioned, you know, the anxiety. So it's like, it's like a, a roundabout way of like everyone needs to do better in those situations. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Families need to do a better job teaching. Individuals need to do a job conducting themselves in the community. It's a respect thing, not a like or dislike. Hey, listen, there's a lot of people I dislike, but I always show you respect. And at the same mm-hmm. time, it also has to be a sort of mutual trust between the police as well. And one of the things that I am starting to see now is that they're starting to have uh healthcare workers or social workers going along with police officers in some crisis circumstances when someone may be in distress because perhaps a police officer and I've heard this saying before that the police officers can't be social workers and psychiatrists and all this other stuff I mean there's a lot of stuff that goes on and maybe someone perhaps that's better trained in those areas can assist them when there are very difficult circumstances where perhaps they may not be well equipped to de-escalate. Uh-huh. Yes. And, uh, and uh, finally, like when we talk about teaching, listen, I wasn't allowed to have toy guns mm-hmm. for those, for those same purposes, mm-hmm. because, you know, even when we were growing up, even though they did have the orange tip, you don't know, you know, the re- the split second reaction. And now we have guns that are BB guns, toy guns, cap guns, airsoft guns, you name it, that look so close to um, actual real guns that, like, when you put yourself in another person's position, how can you truly determine whether or not that is a real gun or not? And Mm -hmm. making those split-second decisions, I mean, I'm not saying right or wrong. I think, like uh, Brian said, every situation is different. Um, We have to eliminate that sort of risk. And one of the ways we can do it is just not manufacture guns, toy guns like that, so that we can avoid those sort of circumstances. So if you want to play with toy guns, make sure that they're like, they're like a different color that can't be yeah. mistaken for being a real like ner- like Nerf guns are a big thing yeah. now. 
They're a huge thing, yeah. and I I've done that with my cousins, and we all get together and play with our, you know, their young kids' toys. That's it's a ball to run around the yard and shoot Nerf guns at each other. So it's like True. that thing's a huge. That's a big thing now. Whereas when I was younger, it was cap guns. You buy little orange coils, put them in there, shoot them. The smoke came out. Play cops and robbers. You know. So I think it's it's totally different. But my mom would never mm-hmm. let me leave the yard with those. Right. Period. Right. Yeah, I think that also opens up a whole other can of worms that could be its own discussion as far as um, the whole idea of guns and in the toy industry and in the gun industry and, you know, gun laws and all that stuff like that (laughs) is a whole monster in itself that we can tackle another day. Oh, that's a good topic. You know, like that's like, yes, um, that opens up a whole other issue. Mm -hmm. But but Brian, um moving forward with the uh with your talk you you had mentioned that you wanted to discuss uh a topic related to the social media so i wanted to mm-hmm. get that going because i think that's i think i know kind of where you're going with that but uh i would love to hear how you elaborate on your concerns about it so take it away um just just recently it's just driving me nuts like i'm i'm feeling it turning it off cuz i i've been so um I feel I've never felt so divided in my life where the the big thing I wanted to talk about was George Floyd and that I don't think um, I don't think that he should have been murdered in any way, shape or form. But it's like I'm seeing, you know, white individuals, black individuals, all different kinds of people saying how great of a person he was. And then I'm starting to see now within the last week people saying how you know, how many times he was arrested and how he was on drugs and he was arrested and he was in prostitution and this and that and all these things. And it's just, it's frustrating that with the media nowadays and the social media, you don't know what's true and what's not true. And it just, it messes with your mind because it's like you have this thing set in your mind and you're like, okay, this is what I believe in and here's why. And then you hear someone influential or a celebrity or someone come up and say, hey, you know, I disagree with this and here's my reasons why. And it just conflicts everything. Um, and a lot of people are saying, you know, there are so many other people that could be used for this movement that died previously or recently. And I, and I guess I've just seen a lot of uproar on Facebook, like we talked about last podcast about the 77-year-old security guard that died protecting his friends. Like, there are certain mm-hmm. people that have died during this time um, that aren't getting recognized or aren't getting any uproar. But at the same time, like, I don't want riots and things being going crazy every time someone dies because that's not going to solve anything either. And obviously something needs to change. But um, I saw a video today there. Someone just burned another cop car today down in Philadelphia. And I just don't understand, like... The, the hashtag was justice for George. Well, they're all arrested right now. And until they're convicted, there's nothing else we can do. I just don't get how the burning of property right now is contributing to that. Like we, because it's not, it's just, it's not just about George. It's about all of them before him. And what you say about if, if it's true about his criminal past, that doesn't contribute to the fact that he was killed on this isolated incident that he was supposedly um, using a $20 counterfeit bill. So, True. you know, like, I mean, does he deserve to die more because he had a criminal past? No. no I don't think so. No, no. Does, not that I'm, I'm not accusing you of that. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, yeah. point. But like, and then the main officer who is in custody, Derek Chauvin, or however you pronounce his last name, has a history of um, complaints against him for being racist. So does his story match up with him absolutely but i don't think that george floyd um deserves to die just because of that one incident just because he has a criminal past i don't know if that makes sense my point but yeah well you know i just wanted to jump in there real quick well i think when it comes to the social media aspect of it Mm -hmm. and why like I, I understand exactly why Brian and I think a lot of us are mm-hmm. kind of fed up with everything is that I think what's happening is, is that there are a group of people 
not saying everyone, I'm not saying most people, but there's a group of people out there who want to change the narrative, right? Um, this has been smacked dead in our face going on week three now, mm-hmm. okay? And I know that I've had some conversations with people who have talked about George uh, Floyd's past and that they're upset that they're making him out to be some sort of saint when he's not, but at the same time saying what happened to him was disgusting. They, they should have been arrested sooner. They should have, they should be prosecuted. They should right. not even have given bail, but they want to highlight that they're making it seem like because of this incident that he's like a perfect person. And I understand both sides, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like people want to change the narrative mm-hmm. because I think mm-hmm. what we talked about last time was, it's easy for uh, generally for people not to really understand or really want to be concerned with an issue that doesn't affect them in any sort of way. Yeah. You know, um, if you're talking about women's rights and you're not a person who really particularly, you know, finds that to be of interest, you don't want to have the, you know, Me Too movement and marches be the highlight of the news cycle. You know, people want to control the narrative and they want to change the narrative. And I think people get tired. Like, again, what did, I, what did we say the last week and the week before? You know, these things happen. And then two weeks later, three weeks later, it, it typically dies down. Yeah. Well, we're on week three now. And this is still getting a lot of heat. And I think, like, the problem is, is that, and I agree with Brian, you know, these officers have been arrested. This is going to take some time. This is this may take two, three years to even come down to a, a verdict of a guilty or not guilty. And then, you know, you have to concern yourself if this person, if these people are guilty, is the punishment that they're going to be handed going to be enough? And I feel that people want the maximum. Uh-huh. People want everything. Right. And it's like not everyone is going to be happy with the outcome. And so what we have to do, and I do want to believe in the process, we, un, when unfortunately and fortunately, we have to go through the process. You know, there are going to be people who are going to, in this whole situation in terms of the police, turning on one another because you already hear it. Yeah. You know, people want to throw the cop that had the knee or the neck under the bus because you have a police officer that had been a rookie who just started a week or two ago. And, the, you know, people don't feel that he should they should be responsible for someone who's more senior to know what they were doing. Right. You know, now now you're talking about, you know, you have other people in, in social media land where we're even divided about people wanting to defund um, these police departments, which is getting a lot of heat. Because now we're talking about George Floyd. Now we're talking about systemic issues. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about these officers who are being arrested. Mm-hmm. Now we're bringing up George Floyd past. And then now in the, in the social media cycle, it's defunding police officers versus not defunding. Mm-hmm. So social media is, is really just getting out of hand now. Mm-hmm. And I remember a time, like I used to tell people where I was off of social media for a little bit before the 2016 election. The second I get back on, I was like, when did it become political? Because I remember social media, yeah. we were photos, we were posting things about our vacations, we were doing right. this other stuff. And now all of a sudden it's just like, everyone's a politician or everyone is a scientist when, when, outbreaks happen i mean it's just it, it is getting stressful brian and i man oh man i don't know i don't know whether or not we should just delete our social media i mean what do you think, and and let you me you're gonna do let me say that i think the protests are great i have no problem with the protests like there was one in horsham today right down the street from me like i'm all mm-hmm. for that my issue is the people still acting crazy going into how long it's been and mm-hmm. like burning a police car today like i just don't think that's necessary in philadelphia right now at this point like the protests are working people are voices are being heard all these um some of these game uh ps5 or whatever push back their release movies are sending out stuff from their studios in support of this like this has gone like more than i've ever seen before of of Mm -hmm. other people speaking out against this and saying this is what's important right now donating money towards the cause and changing the system. Um, so like, I think all that is great. Um, the reason I guess it bothered me, which again, this might come from my privilege a little bit, but, um, this weekend my sister was coming home from the shore and she got stuck in one 
and they weren't letting any cars pass. And to me, that's like if something would have happened to my sister on the way home or let's say they were beating cars and attacking and not saying all of them are. Like I said, there's some people that aren't protesting for the cause that are just going out just to have fun and do destruction. So mm-hmm. I just think about if something would have happened to her on there, I would be I would be so beside myself that literally just driving home and being stuck in, you know, Philly and someone doing something like that is crazy. So I get how people feel though every day with that, with cops. So I I see both sides. Um, But I just, I just think they need to go after the right people in the right places and not the innocent people that are driving to and from work and driving to and from their families. Like, I just think it's getting out of hand where they're still going after people that did nothing wrong go in front of these important buildings, monuments, police stations, the White House. Like, I get all those places because those are the places that have done the wrongdoing. Um, but doing it to innocent people, I think, is what bothers me the most. So, so I totally agree, and I think you have every right to be fearful for your family members who may be affected with their businesses or your sister who may be um, in physical danger as she's, you know, stuck on the highway or whatever. But, um, and I definitely don't agree with hurting innocent people either in these riots. However, it's just, I think the whole, aside from let's disregard the group of people who are just doing this to make trouble because we know there's a whole handful of them who are out there just to cause trouble Uh who've been bored with quarantine or whatever let's ignore those people and say um just for argument's sake that the main group of people causing the riots a lot of them are angry protesters Uh so with that said um you know I think the whole point is really to make everyone aware, even innocent people aware of the fear and the oppression that black people face every day in this country. And yeah, you're scared for your life. Well, this is my, you know, welcome to my life. Like, and if I make you realize just a little bit of what I go through every single day and the fear that I have for my family members and my children and my loved ones, you know, maybe you're, you'll finally care enough to join this fight with me and, um, you know, go against the Capitol and the governor and the president and all of that stuff. So while I, you know, it's terrible and it's sad that innocent people are getting in the way and, you know, being hurt because of it, I do think that there's a bigger picture portion to it. And it's the fact that they just want everyone to be finally pay attention and be bothered enough to step up and say something. Yeah. Right. And I see that. I, uh, yeah, and I and I agree with I understand where you're coming from, Brian, and I, I want to piggyback off of what was just said because yeah, people unfortunately feel that they have not been heard for too long, mm-hmm. and as much as I agree with the fact that yeah, like I said it from the very beginning, I'll say it again: hey, rioting, looting, burning things to the ground is not right. In no way, shape, or form do I condone it. But we all understand why it's being done, uh-huh. yeah. you know, um, where I want to expand on where you're at, Brian, is that I feel that na- we've caught everyone's attention. We've caught the world's attention. Uh-huh. We've caught mm-hmm. the world's attention. I mean, people, people in the UK were, you know, dumping statues in the middle of the of water because that were, you know, depicted of slave owners or right. slave traders. You know, we've, we've, we've brought more of awareness. The world has hurt us. Swift justice has started. And I think at this point, even though I didn't agree with what was being done in terms of the, uh, the violence and the destruction, I understood it then. But in my opinion, at this point, we, there's no like real excuse for it. Like we've, we, the, the, I think the point has been made. And I think now things need to kind of settle down. I think that the protests, if, you know, this is going to be something people are going to fight. It needs to be consistent. Uh-huh. But you don't need to now at this point continue to burn cars or continue to burn buildings or throwing stones off the uh, freaking interstate or holding up traffic because, of, I mean, the anger has been heard across the world. People are paying attention. Everywhere. I mean, every, every state. Think, things, are, <laughs> things are being taken care of. It took long enough, unfortunately, but we can't 
we can't continue to look in the past. We need to let our past inform us of how we move forward in the future. And so right now you're seeing that there are conversations about what do we do about policies? What do we do about police departments? How do we go about training? I mean, New York City is about to pass um, legislation banning the use of, you know, chokeholds. And that's actually spreading across the country. Governors yeah. are taking that lead. Uh-huh. So yeah. there is, there is, and, you know, we're talking about we're on week three. And look at how much has happened, mm-hmm. not in terms of negativity, but how much swift progress has been made. The conversations that has been going on, the people who have money and in power stepping up to the plate, standing with with people, seeing cops taking knees and actually protesting. I mean, there has been something that we have not seen. And if you look back on history, like in the 60s, cops weren't protesting and um, taking knees with the protesters. They were they were spraying people down with hoses and sticking dogs on them, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I I like to look at I like to be informed about everything in our past, but I also like to highlight the the progress that we've made. And at this point, if you're looting, rioting, and burning down buildings, you're now just a criminal, and you don't care about what's going on. That's my opinion, mm-hmm. but it, there's no point to it now. Well, yeah, and I yeah. do think you know social media contributes to that too. It's the whole kind of mob mentality Uh so you know people see it happening in other places so quickly in real time people are recording these things live and then okay well that's happening there i'm going to do this in my town too Uh so yeah and like i made a good point to my friend who was like super debating me and my other friend about this the other day because my which um they're both black but one of my friends was saying that he doesn't agree with that anymore. And he's like, he said that he's been getting called a coon and uncle Tom and all this stuff on Facebook because of the posts he share, because he doesn't agree with the majority of other people. And he's like, I agree with the cause, but just cause I don't agree with other stuff. I don't feel it's right for people of my own color to make me feel that way. And he was saying, you know, when he walks down the city at night, sometimes he feels threatened if he sees a group of, um, black people or white people, because he said it's it's not the fact of the color of their skin; it's the fact of where you are, and you know what time of night it is, and stuff like that. And he was just putting mm-hmm. different posts and stuff. And he said some of his friends were being so disrespectful to him, you know, of him having that way and feeling that opinion. And then the other friend was strongly against him too, and said that he's wrong, this, that, and the third. And I made an example to him, and I said, so if my grandmother's in a nursing home. And I don't agree how the nursing staff is treating her, let's say, and they abuse her. My choice is either to A, confront them, B, take them out of, uh, take her out of the nursing home. Or if Mm -hmm. if one of my family members is in a hospital and I don't like the care they were giving her, can take her out or, you know, whatever the case may be. I don't have the right to go and burn that hospital down or that nursing home down because I don't like the way that they were treated. And I think that's right. what some of the people have to have to remember is that, you know, all these cops didn't treat everybody wrong, like especially in Philly. I'm sure we have a lot of cases in Philly, but actually, good point. Do either of you know the last time we had a uh, an issue in Philly to date that the cop wasn't charged? If, if we had know. one and, or if we or if we not really had an issue. In Philly, I'm not sure if there was any major issue recently. We can we can obviously revisit that on our next one. Yeah, nothing um, that was like nationally televised. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't because I don't think Philly's that bad. I mean, obviously there's p- police brutality everywhere, but I don't think we had something where it was like a huge disrespect, like you know New York with um um my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Diallo, uh, you're talking about uh, the most recent one. Oh my gosh, what's his name? I just talked about him two days ago. Freddie Gray. Uh, no. Oh, I can't remember his name. He put him. He put him in the chokehold. Yep. Um, Eric Garner. There it is. Thank you. Yeah, I just talked about him <laughs> two days ago. I was like, that was in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see that much excessive force in Philly. So. Um, I guess, I guess that, that was the point I was trying to make to him. And he was like, yeah, like, I totally understand what you're coming from. Like, I didn't think about it that way. So and I'm not trying to downplay one or the other or say it compares, but 
I'm just saying if if it's a if it's a criminal act, it's a, if it's a criminal act, and you can't waive it for a certain period and then make it acceptable sometime and then make it illegal again. Um, like, cause if, if I went in and burned in, burned down a hospital because I didn't agree with the way they're treating someone that was staying there critically injured or hurt, I would be in jail. So I, I just feel like, you know, they, they can't focus on that. And I wish people would stop doing that. So the focus wasn't on that. Like I watched that peaceful protest in Horsham today and it was great, great to see. They were all, they all kneeled for eight minutes and 47 seconds. And they walked from the high school to the police station, to the park. I mean, and there was no tension, no violence, and it was it was just a nice thing to see. So I think well, that needs to keep going. I mean, that's that's a great unity is a great thing to see. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. And I mean, thinking about our next topic, I mean, imagine if someone like Colin Kaepernick, who was peacefully protesting, decided that he wanted to burn down NFL facilities, you know, for not feeling like he was being hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he got that wouldn't fly. Yeah, he got a right. I mean, he got a lot of flack as it was Mm -hmm. for kneeling, um, to a point where he got blackballed. And I mean, there was a lot of talks about, you know, the way people reacted, where you know he was peacefully protesting. People didn't want to see it during NFL. You know, talks about how protests are supposed to make people uncomfortable and aware. And all this stuff was happening to a point where now he had essentially lost his job, Mm -hmm. even though there's a debate about whether he lost his job or whether he declined like the contract and then no one wanted to pick him up. I mean, the bottom line is the optics of it was he started taking a knee. He was messing with the owner's bottom line. Um, No one was really willing to hire him when they were willing to hire him. His girlfriend said some things that made it very... uh, very impossible for the Ravens to take him because he was comparing um, she was comparing uh, the, the owner and the I believe it was the head coach uh, to Django pretty much saying that you know it's you know it was just a mess and you know no one I mean the bottom line was no one wanted to touch someone who was that controversial whether they wanted to admit it or not yeah and well that's the world right now, too they, they don't want to touch anyone that has any controversy like that period right unfortunately because I mean I mean the thing is, is like, and I'm not agreeing with it, but I'm just saying I understand <clears> it. <throat> the NFL is a business, all right? The rich business owners who are billionaires employ each and every person who works there, essentially, all right? They don't play by the traditional sort of rules that you would see, like, in the private sector or anything like that. They play by their own set of rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they say that in this place of business, you are going to conduct yourself a certain way, or you're not going to, or even if they say you, you, they don't say you don't have a job, you know, you're going to conduct yourself a certain kind of way. It's the same um, thing using this as an example. If you reside in a state that allows um, recreational marijuana use, and they're saying, well, if you're an employee of the NFL, you are not to smoke marijuana, and you choose to smoke marijuana, you're going to face the consequences, even if it's mm-hmm. not illegal. Uh-huh. You know, and it was making people uncomfortable. It was hurting the bottom line. And when you're a businessman, that's what happened. But now when people are looking back, what are they saying? Look at what, you know, this is exactly what Colin Kaepernick was saying. And this is exactly what Colin Kaepernick was doing. And look at where we are four years later to a point where the freaking commissioner of the NFL had to issue an apology for said behaviors and it raised such a bigger issue so what do you guys think about that i mean it's hindsight 2020 i mean what do you think yeah and i just want to say too for um because i know like some of the things we mapped out i know monday's kind of like open discussion so talking about everything social media i think is cool and then i figured if if you guys want to listen to these maybe this week all these things that we talked about today we could kind of maybe section out and talk about these things in full capacity too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Because all these are like really good topics that I know we can all get into. But mm-hmm. um, but I think I think Marie was going to say something on what you asked. I don't remember. You can get oh, okay. <laughs> um, no problem. So um, I I mean I I agree with you. I think it's crazy that he made an apology. I would have never thought in a million years that that would have happened. Um, and I guess my biggest question is. 
like I said before, I know a lot of people that think that it was disrespectful to the flag and all the men and women have died. My opinion, I don't care if he does that. If he kneels, it's his choice to do so. You have those that say, well, if you don't respect the flag or the song, then maybe you shouldn't be in this country. You have other people that say, if you kneel on the flag, you don't respect the men and women that have died to make this country free. You have some people that say the country isn't really free. And then you have others that don't care. So there's such a different divide on that topic. There's four or five different ways and opinions you can go. Um, right. But I guess my question to both of you, just the same and separate, but um, do you feel that the NFL has a right or any place of business or um, employer has a right to tell their employee to not do something such as that on a public plat- platform because they are paying them or is it still fall under they have freedom of speech so they can do it whether they're on the clock or not on the clock i mean do you do you feel that that contributes either way that they have a right to say that someone can't do that or they lose their job yes Yes, I don't think it matters where they are, what they're being paid to do in the moment. That's what he wanted to use his platform mm-hmm. for. That's where everybody's watching him. I think he had a right to do so. And, um, you know, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that he has to, that you have to stand for the national anthem. It says that you have freedom of speech and it doesn't say you have to stand for the national anthem. And I think that's the bottom line. And I think that that's what he felt that was right for him to do in the moment. And, you know, that could be that could be said of any profession, Um, like as a teacher, if I see some injustice in school or I don't see a student is receiving the right um, services that they need to be receiving. My administrators are not paying me to start a fight Uh and advocate for that student, but I'm still going to do it because that's what I believe in. So, you know, I think that analogy could be applied to any situation. And I think that if it's. If that's what he wanted to use his platform in that moment, because that's what he believed in, I think that was the right thing for him to do. It doesn't matter what he was being paid to do at that time. And he asked other people to do that with him, correct? And no one would, to my understanding? Or was there others that did? Yeah, well, I think well, others well, what did, happened though. Like, eventually. When he was taking this knee, there may have been one or two people who joined him. Um, the, uh-huh. the, the timeline of when people decided that they were going to join in was when the president, President Trump, decided uh-huh. to, to, to put his two cents in there. And it was more or less that's when people started joining him because they wanted to say, well, you're not going to hijack the situation and you're not going to tell us what we can and can't do. And uh-huh. then that's when people decided holding arms and, you know, taking knees and stuff. But before then, Colin Kaepernick was essentially on his own. And by the way, he was doing yeah. it before it was even getting so much publicity, you know, and that's what one of the issues were about it. But people weren't really locked up with him in the beginning. And, you know, when you attack the league and, you you know, you attack people in general, people are going to now come to your defense, you know. Um, and answering your question, Brian, um, I agree and disagree in part. With Maria, because I feel that you have the right to a lot of things in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a right to call my boss a douche if I really wanted to. <laughs> but the reality is, is that my freedom of speech doesn't mean that my boss has to keep me employed. You know, and I think when we look at the NFL versus we look at, you know, the private sector, like regular jobs, I mean, the NFL is a different entity. You know, so they kind of they kind of make their own rules in a sense um, under certain guidelines. You know, um, that's why. So that can't be ruled as unconstitutional. I mean, let me put it to you this way. If I decided half and half, if I decided not ruling unconstitutional in a sense where they're telling you that you, you can't protest. I mean, I know that's what some of the owners were trying to go out and do. They were saying that you can't do it in our facility. You know, if me being a healthcare worker decided that I wanted to protest, uh, you know, 
the use of certain types of medications that, you know, whatever. And I wanted to protest outside of my hospital, inside my hospital and picketing and stuff like that. Well, it's my right to protest, but they could say we can fire you. I mean, if you're an employee at will, they can fire you for any reason. They just can say, oh, we don't think you're the right fit. You know, so it, it, mm-hmm. again, it's like all these places are businesses and people are not in the business of losing money. You know, so if you are going to affect the bottom line of other people and you're going to mess with their money and the money at the top, well, they're going to say, well, yeah. if I'm not getting paid. You're not getting paid. You know, if I don't have a business, you're not going to have a job. You know, and I think that's right. where I think what what I think from a certain standpoint, there was a time and place. But again, it goes back to the point. Who Who is anyone to tell anyone? Where or when it's appropriate to protest. And I think that's a choice people have to make. Um, and the idea yeah. of protesting was to make people uncomfortable. And people will tell you, like, most people don't talk about the fact that at one point, Colin Kaepernick was actually sitting for the national anthem. And a service member had some sort of issue about that, if I remember correctly. But whatever the case was, he had a conversation with a service member and he asked, you know, how can I express or, or protest in a way which wouldn't offend you? And apparently this individual had told him, well, you can take a knee. So then that's when he started taking a knee because he didn't want to be disrespectful. Right, right, right. But people don't talk about that because right. they made it about the flag. Right. It was a platform. You know, it was a platform that mm-hmm. what biggest what biggest stage can you do it if you're a celebrity? You know, you Uh see it at the Grammys Mm -hmm. all the time when people want to talk about this, people want to talk about that, you know, and that's their platform, you know. But I understand that when you're going to work and you're getting paid, you're getting paid to do your job. And I think, like, what it came down to was Colin Kaepernick had to decide whether or not he wanted to be an activist or whether or not he wanted to be a protester. And he ended up choosing the route of being a protester. Now, it's going to be very, very interesting coming this this upcoming season whether or not Colin Kaepernick is going to have a job in the NFL well yeah totally because the NFL commissioner said nothing about him you know I think everybody was waiting for his name to be dropped and there was no mention of Colin Kaepernick and so I wonder if he even wants to be even associated with it at this point or if he wants to move on like I don't know like, you know how, uh, I guess, sports is the same way as, like, entertainment with movies. Like, recently, actors, actresses, if they have any controversy, any tweets, Facebook posts, I mean, a lot of, I've seen a lot of people have been getting dropped recently over any type of controversy or any, you know, whether it's domestic, violent, um, race, anything, um, even stuff from, like, five years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I, th- I think uh, it goes across the board. Um, I want I also want to ask Marie, you, um, does your school, do you guys do the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning? Yeah. And you guys don't require your students to stand, correct? If they choose not to, they don't have to. I believe okay. so. That's never happened in my kindergarten yeah. classroom, but. <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, I believe that never correct. happened during. Actually, we had one girl when I was in elementary school and she uh, was Muslim and she refused to, to stand for it with her hand over her heart and uh, a lot of kids gave her issue for it and I remember the teacher had said something to her once or twice and then after that nothing was said so I don't know if like the parents had had to come in and had to have a conversation again you know about religion or whatever but um, you know it's the same thing there like in school you can't I don't I don't think you can force a kid to, to stand up well, very, if they don't want it's to very you know? interesting it's very interesting that you mentioned that because I did actually have a situation like that my junior year in high school. My political science teacher, I'll never forget him, he actually challenged us about it. He was a very smart man. And what he said was, you know, we stand and we put a hand over our hearts. And he said, I'm not telling you what to do and not to do, but just think about this for a second. Why is it that every day we have to pledge allegiance to the, to the flag and the country when we've already pledged our allegiance. He said, we're reciting this, this uh, narrative over and over again, but if, if by being an American and being an American citizen, and if you've already pledged your allegiance to this flag in this country, why do you feel you need to pledge it over and over and over again? And it, and it really kind of raised like eyebrows with me. I was like, I've never been asked that before. 
And does it make you less American or less patriotic if you don't do it? Yeah, it really shouldn't. I never thought about that either. It's actually yeah. a valid point. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So what do you guys uh, have for final thoughts about tonight? I thought this was really good, and we have um, some more that we're going to expand on on the next episode. But uh, what do you guys have to say? We'll start with uh, Marie. Um, I just think it's really interesting because I feel like we're speaking about so many different topics in every conversation that we have. But I just feel like it really goes to show, I guess, how everything is so intertwined. And this relates to this and that relates to that. And, oh, well, if you speak about this, then I can think of a connection this way. And it's just like I just I think it's just kind of a metaphor to how big and complex um, the issue of racism is in this country. So it's just that's one thing I've noticed about um, just after listening to all of our conversations so far. Nice. Ryan, what do you got for a closing thought? Yeah, I, I agree, too. Um, it's crazy how, like, in almost an hour you can talk about so many different topics and, mm-hmm. um, you know, one thing makes your mind think about this and that and this and different experiences that everyone has, and then someone else can sit there and say, well, look at this side, and then your mind really thinks, like, oh, wow, like, I never thought yeah. about that. So it's just it's just crazy to sit there and um, throw out all the ideas. So, um, you know, I, th- I think it's cool, too, especially – um, I think this is our first week where we're actually going to like talk about different topics week by week. So I think that that'll be a cool thing going forward that if people see, Hey, I'm really interested in this topic, you know, maybe I want to jump in on the podcast or, um, you know, mm-hmm. find something that interests them to, to talk about. And, uh, I think it's, it's de- definitely a good thing to bring all these things up. Cause I think it's uh, very important to discuss everything together for sure. And I agree with all of you guys that my closing thoughts would be that, you know, we do raise a lot of different uh, concerns and issues that are going on. And I think that it that's part of the battle is we don't talk enough as a society about anything. Um, And I think we need to talk more about everything. And I think that this is one of those things, like you said, we can talk about one thing. And it branches out into so many different more things that we're like, oh, wow, like, you know, we didn't think about this. Oh, wow. Like, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I think like bringing these things to the forefront and, you know, making people think and maybe even challenging ourselves, like, will help lead us towards a better solution or thinking about solutions rather than consistently complaining about the problems and not us complaining, but people in general have a tendency to complain, but offer Uh, no solution Uh and part of that is because no one wants to talk about the problems and offer yeah so this is this is really good and i and i look forward to the next episodes that we have because we have even more to get through this week so um Mm -hmm. i hope everyone enjoyed thank you for listening to social justice the new american revolution make sure you tune in tomorrow for the latest episode And if you want to be heard, email us at thesocialjusticepodcast at gmail.com.